1: For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. strengthened in their faith, and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God.
2: Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us. with the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you as we start another week of broadcasting. And I think you'll agree with us that we are living in difficult times. We are in the end of the age, and many of the beginning of birth pangs, as it says in Matthew 24, 8, we are witnessing these pangs today. We're seeing wars and rumors of wars, nation rising up against nation, famines, earthquakes. We see that lawlessness is increasing. Yet we must remember that we serve a very faithful God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that should be a great source of comfort. When we look at scriptures, we see difficult situations that many men and women face. We see Israel facing situations that would have been disastrous unless God intervened. And we can say the same for us who have come to the saving knowledge of our Messiah. Two words describe God's intervention And those two words appear quite often in the scriptures, and those two words are, but God. We'd like to look during the course of this week at these words throughout the word as an encouragement and to realize God's great watch care over all our lives. And you know, when we're looking at a difficult situation, Junie, we see the natural. But how do we put into the equation what God could do? And we see time and time again through scriptures that were those words, but God, that represents God's intervention, and old-timers would call it the providence of God.
3: And you know, Shelley, sometimes we have a very natural outlook on our life or on world situations, and God's outlook is eternal. Really? And so this, too, I'd like to our listening audience to consider as well as you and I, that in the course of eternal things, Mm -hmm. but God is so important to remember because God has made us to live forever.
2: Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go to one of the first uh, examples of God's intervention when we read those words, but God. We're talking specifically about Genesis chapter 50. And in this chapter, we see that Jacob had asked that he be buried in Canaan, where Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and even Rachel, his wife, were buried. So Joseph and his brothers left Goshen, which of course was in Egypt, to take their father's body back to Canaan for burial. So let's pick up Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 12. Will see the story, and thus his sons did for him as he had charged them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan, and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, before Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with a field for burial site from Ephron the Hittite. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph should bear a grudge against us and pay us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 18, Then his brothers also came, fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, I, for am I in God's place? And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God, meant it for good, in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Junie, it's such an incredible story. And Joseph is the epitome, I think, of all the Old Testament men. He is the epitome of the character of the Messiah himself. And as you said before, if we've been created for eternity, we need to see the natural events in light of eternity and bring the eternal perspective into the natural situations. And Joseph was an incredible man who was able to live like that.
3: And Shelley, when you read um, a portion of these verses, it really, really touched me. I believe it starts at verse 17. Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, The transgressions of your brothers and their sin, for they did wrong, and now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And you know, Shelley, as you read that, I thought today as believers, sometimes our brothers and sisters who are the servants of God do us wrong. And we need to remember this story. But God meant it for good, as it is this day, to save many people alive. That if we see, through an eternal purpose, forgiveness or praying for our brothers or sisters who might do us wrong is really a gift from the Lord himself because on the cross, even as the leaders of our Jewish people were saying, if you're really the Messiah, you're really the Christ, come down from that cross. Show, show yourself. You saved others. Save yourself. That the Lord didn't say a word, but he did say, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. So what Joseph said to his brothers, in a very natural way, considering Jacob as his natural father, we need to remember what Jesus said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do, that we might say, forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do, because, but God has a plan that we might not understand.
2: And so often in our lives, Jenny, that we don't understand things as we go through them. But later on, we can look back and then understand why did this happen? Because God had intention that we can't see just through natural eyes, but we have to see through spiritual eyes and be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit.
3: Or, Shelley, we might look back and not understand until we get to see the Lord in eternity. Really? Because there are some things that... We really don't understand and won't um, uh, until uh, the books are open and everything is unfolded and all the things that are in darkness come to light.
2: And, you know, the more we talk about it, Janie, I realize we need to live in the mentality of, but God. What is God saying in this? What is God trying to accomplish? And, you know, if we go back in the story of Joseph and his brothers, when Joseph first revealed who he was to his brothers, they panicked. So if you have a Bible, let's go back with this to Genesis chapter 45. So we'll see this was a pattern in Joseph's life, which I think, especially in his day and age, as we are in the final days of this age, we need to live with the mentality, but God. Genesis 45, beginning at verse one. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out for me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Incidentally, Juni, that word in Hebrew for dismayed also means terrified. So it was really a panic What's going to happen to them? Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God, for you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Verse eight, now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Junie, it's such a mighty, mighty story. It looked like a disaster from start up until this point. But Joseph saw that God's hand was in it even though there was nothing to indicate it if we look naturally.
3: And what's amazing, Shelley, is this was how long before Joseph gave his brothers and his father land to live in Egypt and how many years before Moses was born. And how many years before the great deliverance of the Passover, the blood of the Lamb, the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea? How long before? But Joseph was such a one that in verse 7 of Genesis 45, he spoke to his brothers and said, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth, And to keep you alive by a great deliverance. And, you know, Joseph might have just thought he was going to help deliver his brothers and his fathers into Egypt. But that is a prophetic statement, Shelley. Really? That happened, was it hundreds? Or was it a thousand years before? I don't know mm-hmm. how long it was before, but you could be sure it wasn't twenty-five or fifty years.
2: Really, so we see that this is a um, a pattern in Joseph's life, Joseph's life, and we need to come into that reality. We're going to continue this theme tomorrow, also with the life of Joseph, because we're going to see as we go through uh, Genesis that his life was led by the Holy Spirit, and we need the Holy Spirit in order to say but God and to see by the eyes of the Spirit. Father, we thank you. Thank Lord. you, Lord. We thank you for this example of a man who knew it was but God. And I pray, Lord, through the course of these days, yes, let us remember. Junie and I, as well as every listener, We'll start living in a new realm, in a higher realm, where we would see God's hand in the situations and be able to say, But But God. God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelly and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784 Scottsdale, Arizona 85252 That's